Can you um, really quick give me your prediction of now that you've watched some of it, who's going to win the World Cup and who's looked the best? France has looked pretty good. Portugal's looked good. Brazil's looked good. Those three teams have been kind of on top running. Okay. Who do you want to win? Well, it, those three, probably Brazil. Welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine, coming out of retirement for a World Cup podcast. Here we are, joined by my friends Corey Schreppel, Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo Sanchez-Javaria, and Alex Schieferdecker. Big, big weekend coming up for Alex Schieferdecker with the uh, the Dutch-USA uh, Derby. How are you holding up so far, Alex? Uh, I am holding up okay because... Uh I don't have World Cup winning aspirations for either team, so I'm happy to have one guaranteed rooting interest in the round of eight. But I'll be rooting for the U.S. for sure. Excellent. Um, well, I'm glad that us killing the podcast um, and you moving to Minnesota means that you joined the Slack, the 55-1 Slack, and you're on the podcast now more. Um, so it's good to have you with us. Uh, Mark Fangmeyer, um is is you can't see it because uh, this is an audio format, um, but wearing a, a cast on his pinky <laughs> because he almost lost it in a, in a uh, shutting the car door on it. Mark, you you doing okay? Yep, uh, and the um, hand surgeon is fairly certain that I will get to keep the tip of my pinky, so that's a positive. Just a tip, huh? Yep. Just the tip. Both both you both you and Christian taking taking ones to the tip this uh <laughs> this week. It's been a been a rough one uh for tips out there. So um keep them safe and uh, keep, is it a, is it a phalangical contusion? <laughs> um we are going to just talk about the World Cup. I don't care. I just wanted to do something to to chat about it. Um I am extremely excited that we are no longer doing 4 AMs. I did uh I think seven out of eight or six out of seven. I can't remember. Um, it was the dumbest thing on the planet. Um, but at Blackheart, uh, we've got this passport program and we've got, as, as Mark Pravatsky, uh, the other bartender doing those early mornings, um, calls them their, their stamp sluts uh, who show up <laughs> and they want their stamps for their passports and they're really insistent about it. But it's been a really good time. I'm very glad to be done with the crappy parts though we're, we're through and now we're just at the normal things where people can show up bring their laptops yell at the screen and uh and you know vibe out on trail magic so um yeah. let's uh let's talk about this which is uh the good the bad and the weird the good is that uh christian pulisic uh scored this week with his balls uh, to send the u.s to the knockout round I mean, he scored with his feet, but his balls were the his balls did the sacrifice. Did the real he got, he got yeah. the he got the assist from yeah. Christian and Pulisic. Yeah, from from <laughs> the beans, the beans, yeah. the beans, and the Frank all worked together. Um, the bad <laughs> is that Christian Pulisic uh, injured himself uh, scoring with his balls, and uh, the weird is that Christian Pulisic scored with his balls. Remember when Clint Dempsey? Like legitimately did scored with Christian Pulisic's balls. <laughs> oh yeah, 
<laughs> he was go he was doing the ghost thing where he was just inhabiting his body. But no, I don't remember this, Alex. Tell me. What was this? <laughs> no, the ball he the ball I, I cannot remember what game this was and I think it was a national team game, obviously, but the he he scored basically with like a groin thrust. Uh I'm gonna have to look this up, and we'll we'll, we'll do some research hold on, in the hold background. On, hold on. I, I can't so, uh, I can't wait for the search of Clint Dempsey groin thrust. Oh yeah, thrust. yeah. Here we that, go. That's literally what I just. Clint oh. Dempsey. This is I found it. I mean, eight years. Just hopefully, ago. don't get his rap video. <laughs> Clint Dempsey. Well, that's where he, I, all I'm getting is where he slapped a guy in the groin. No, Clint Dempsey scores with USA's second goal in the most American way possible with his penis. This is uh, I found it in Reddit when I. Uh, oh yeah, it. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Clint, uh, the U.S. nearly beat Portugal with a crotch shot, yeah. says some website. Excellent. Wow. So there was, is this when uh, Ronaldo was still part of the team, too, or no? I mean, he's still part of the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is what, his fifth World Cup? He's been part of the team for... Yeah. Yes. Well, Thomas Mueller is on what is... I don't know. Yeah, he's been 33 forever. Yeah. Yeah. Memo yeah. Ochoa is also... Uh, anyway... Yeah, and what 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 do we know about them? They're they're not in the World Cup anymore. Um, so <laughs> they're waiting the, for their sixth. That's the uh, that's the news for us there. Um, the other news is the the great news for the U.S. women who um, have been underpaid for so long, and now with their new contract, uh, they get to share six point five million dollars between them, uh, the women for. Uh, for the men kind of getting out of the group stage, which is kind of awesome now that they're sharing the pools. Um, and I know that like sponsorship pays for most of the, the, the proceeds of the World Cup, but the attendance at like recent Women's World Cup has, has been higher than what we've seen in Qatar so far. Yeah. Yeah. But do they get to share the 6.5? I thought no, it, 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 it's a it's 13 million and they yeah, each receive six and a half mil. Okay. Yeah, each each team shares the 6.5. Yep. Yeah. Um, Which we we should we should mention that it is combined more than their winnings from 2015 and 2019. Yeah. For winning the World Cup. And yes, so for for winning the whole thing. I I want to before we kind of do the the broader um World Cup discussion, I want to talk about the USA. Uh, go, go, go. Um, they are out of the group in second place behind England. Um, they drew with uh, Wales. They drew with England. And then they beat Iran. Two clean sheets, only two goals. Only let up one goal, and that was from a PK. Um, so I, I think... From an MLS player. Oh, yeah. That's really Oh, you had really to do important. it, didn't you? Yeah. So yeah, LA, uh, LAFC is rooting for Wales. Yeah, so not anymore. <laughs> now they're now. Did you see the video LAFC posted at their watch party? A video of Argentinian uh, fans <laughs> celebrating against Mexico, and it's like four of them, and it's like, guys, LA, don't you? You're in LA. Don't root for Messi right now uh, against Mexico. Um, Argentina is their other team. So I want to ask you about the USA so far. Um, what? Who has stood out for me for you from this team? Any anyone want to nominate best players so far? I mean, just our whole midfield. Yeah. Like, if you looked at how we just shut down England, and like it was our midfield. Like our midfield made it so that England was scared to push their forwards forward because we were so quick on transitioning. Like we could just turn on a dime and get that ball out to the wings and like it was amazing and 
our midfield would just did a fantastic job of shutting everyone down. They've, and they've dominated this in every team so far. And so, like, that's been, like, amazing. Like, just the cohesion they've shown and their ability to just, like, kind of just be a force in the middle of that of the pitch and just shutting everybody the down. Best fantastic. English developed midfielder in the tournament is playing for the United States because it's Yunus Musa. He's mm-hmm. fantastic. And what I love about him, uh, McKenney and Adams is that they each bring com- different but complementary abilities to the table. You know, Musa's a bit comfort on the ball, ability to drive forward with the ball at his feet. McKenney's sort of attacking runs, his some of his passing, Adams's defensive work, his like completely tireless motor, and his just ability to break up plays in midfield. I mean, this is a just to be cautious, a top eight midfield in this World Cup. But I I would feel somewhat confident saying it's probably a top five midfield in this mm-hmm. World Cup. It is that is the one area in the field where the United States right now looks you know, you could take that midfield and plug it into just about every team in the World Cup, you know, say France or Brazil or Spain. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the only only players that are as exciting at that age or younger is Spain's Gabi and, and Pedri. Like, they're just... It, it's... And they're not even at their prime yet, right? You know, like, they're going to be hitting the peaks of their careers... Or approaching it in the next World Cup, like this pseudo golden generation of our midfield is going to be just hopefully just absolutely stacked. The U.S. starting eleven against Iran was the youngest starting eleven of the tournament so far. Imagine like that's pretty crazy to to yeah. win that critical game that required not just you know to execute a plan to score, but then to exercise you know exercise a lot of discipline to hold on to the game and yeah. to do it with the youngest lineup in the, in the tournament is really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, we could go through each an individual uh, player because they've all, I think really stood out other than perhaps just the strikers. Um, you know, you could say how much Matt Turner has done uh, all of the center backs, including CCV who gets a, one game in there, and then the fullbacks, etc. Um, Tim Weah. I mean, talk about the talk about the redemption arc of Tim Ream. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. nine hundred. He's nine hundred years old. Yep. And he's just next World Cup. He's, he's going to be a hologram, just smiling on the sidelines, like uh, yeah. next to Yoda <laughs> well, and Obi. He's actually going to be like one of those quote, Futurama floating heads. That just my favorite quote from Tim Ream is like, "Oh yeah, all of these young guys are here with their girlfriends, and I have like my wife and three kids." I, I thought Sergino was the biggest turnaround for me in his position, just because in previous games and in previous tournaments he's was always so iffy. Like we we didn't know, like we could see the potential, but couldn't really see what he he could do. And defensively, this World Cup he's he's done a decent job, but offensively he's you know he's the assist to the Christian Pulisic. Um, Frank and Bean's goal, right? That header that puts it right into what it is, you know? He puts it in his head and then Pulisic do, uses do, the other type of head. Do you think do you think that like that resurgency of of Serginho is mainly due to the solidification of our midfield that he can get forward because he know that he he's got guys like Musa and Tyler Adams behind him? 
I think the consistency of the midfield yeah. is is what's given that 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 group to go up and do that. And I think that's the thing that's that's really interesting is you know, like overall if you were given, you know, grades, like I he gets a solid B. You know. Um there's there's points where he's still he's still a young player and you can see it, right? But but the creativity in that sense that comes out of him um, is really interesting on that on that right hand side. And so like I'm at I'm I'm interested in seeing how much more he can incorporate himself into the offense. Um, but I'm also um, I mean I'm I'm a I love defensive midfielders and I think Tyler Adams is literally the if not the engine that pushes this whole thing moving forward. Um, out of all of them, yeah. Adams has been so good in midfield that he has allowed McKenney and Musa to really exercise a lot of influence on the flanks. Other yeah. teams have had so much difficulty playing through Adams and then obviously Zimmerman, Reem, Carter Vickers in the middle that they've had to go out wide, but the U.S. is waiting for them out wide because we have these very good attacking fullbacks and we have this overlapping scheme where we have those fullbacks pushing higher often than the midfielders, sometimes even than the wingers, uh, in just the course of normal play. And so we can overload the flanks when we need to. Mm-hmm. And But then if you push people into the middle of the field, that's our strength. So other teams have just... I mean, England, we were better than England. They found it yeah. so hard to play against us. And I think it's... Um, that's one of the reasons why it makes this team a little bit more more dangerous because people are afraid of giving up the flanks and then the quick counterattack that that uh, Mark mentioned because we are so quick and we are so diligent we are so young in a sense that people you know teams are just afraid to give that up so they'll rather play we make them play differently and I think that's that's the thing is that we don't really change so much when we all we play. But um, we are dictating the style exactly. of the game, which has never, ever happened for the United States in a World Cup before. Yeah. That the, making other teams play to us never I think, happened. I think the the England game, you know, obviously I wanted us to, to win that game, um, but it was so much fun to watch us be the better team against uh, England. You know, I like to make fun of them a lot, but we all know how good they are. And I want to move that to us talking about USA Netherlands because um, I think that England are a better team than Netherlands. And I'm going to ask you, Alex, you, you're going to give us kind of this uh, uh, look at how the Netherlands have done so far. But I want to talk about the the players we didn't talk about in that little summary there were the strikers. And that's because we've had Sargent, we've had uh, Haji Wright, and... Um, uh, Sergeant, we don't know if he's going to be fit. He took that little ankle twist in the last game. And Sergeant has done a decent job uh, so far. Uh, obviously doesn't have any goals, but has done decently. Um, Haji Wright, I think, has also done a little bit of a role, but I think a lot of people thought he was very useless in that last game. Um, and so, He's big, but he plays small. I don't yeah, get it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then you've got Jesus Ferreira, who hasn't been used so far. And and now at this point, I, I would be really surprised to see him trot it out. Um, but who, who knows? And so, what do we make of the striker position, particularly thinking about what are we going to see um, this weekend, this Saturday at nine a.m. against the Netherlands? 
I think if Sargent is fit, he plays. I think his movement off the ball has been creating some decent space. I think he understands interplay and whether or not you want to call him a false nine or, or whatever his role is like, he's definitely tracking back further. But, but I mean, I disagree with you, Wes. I think you, you have to start Jesus Ferreira or if Sargent's not fit, I don't think you start Haji, right? I, I think, no, I, think I agree. I'm, I'm just, I'm saying I don't, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's unlikely that he would start given things, but like, I think you just have to, yeah. um, I think if you want somebody in that Sargent esque role, Haji Wright is not that person right now. I mean, if you just want to bring him on at 75, 80 minutes and let him run at the defense, it's fine, but he hasn't really shown his worth. And He was terrible in that run at the defense for 15 minutes role. Yeah, it sucked. It oh sucked. God. He was not disciplined. He was out. Of, he was pulled out of position too early. He, obviously, everyone saw what he did with a minute to go, and he just made the complete wrong decision. To, I, I don't know if we're prepared to play this way. I don't know if we've practiced this. I would love to see Aronson as the false nine. To me, that's the best... Of, of sort of crummy options up front because at least you have someone who's, who will press. And I think that Aronson in, in midfield has lacked the discipline of McKenney and I in his sort of left gaps. But if you put him as a nine, maybe he can play that role a little bit more. Here's where I, um, don't, I don't think that holds up, though. I think with the false nine, the, the mo- one of the most essential things there is that this is someone who's going to then suck their defenders with him uh, because of their movement. Yeah, they're a good defender sucker. And um, and I don't think Aronson has enough like gravitas to make Virgil van Dyke care. I think they'll be like, oh, look at this adorable guy. Um, and I think that Aronson is really good looking forward uh, with the ball, but not as much like receiving. I don't know. So... I think maybe someone in that role, I mean, you could put Pulisic in that role, but then anytime you do that, you're messing with a system that for three games has looked really good. And you guys are right. Jesus Ferreira makes the most sense if you think Sargent can't make it. Jesus Ferreira plays the closest to Sargent, but he's obviously different. Um, let me let me then ask you, Alex, for your uh, Netherlands take. How have the Netherlands looked so far to you? Um, not great. You know, they've gotten the job done, but they had the easiest group of anybody. Um, and I think going into the tournament, my big question was how how were they going to score? You know, it was obvious that they were going to not concede. They have very good defenders. Um. And Louis Van Hall is knows how to set up a defense and a team. He knows how to set up a team to not concede. They've been bailed out by the emergence of Cody Gakpo, who I'm sure we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, you know, without him, it's really like Memphis Depay, and that's it. Um, that's like the only player who has some sort of real ability to attack. And Memphis hasn't looked that great so far. Uh, I just I, this is a Dutch team that does not have the creativity of past years. There's no Robin van Persie. There's no Wesley Snyder. Um, and so I think that this is, it's a sort of it's a very uh, Dutch team that that will be good at sort of play, playing games like Portugal. You know that they, they can play for a one zero. Um, I think that. 
they are going to be a tough match for the United States for that reason. But I also think that they're going to have a lot of difficulty scoring against the United States. A 0-0 headed into extra time would not at all shock me. And, you know, I, I just, it, when you have teams that lack that cutting edge, that's sometimes good defense is a great way to advance in a knockout tournament. But, uh, you know, eventually you have to find a breakthrough and, I think that I think that this is a Dutch team that the United States is not going to get out outskilled by. Um, for for all of you, then, what are you looking forward to the most in this match? Or I, I should say, what do you want to see the most in this match? Mark, I'll start with you, and then go to Rodrigo. Um, I would actually love if the U.S. could score early in like the first 10 or 15 minutes just to completely open up the match. From an entertainment standpoint, that would be amazing because defensively, both uh, Netherlands and uh, U.S. have been super strong. Like They haven't really conceded. Like They've each conceded one goal. Like They've been great. And uh, so just to have like, the U.S. get an early goal that would force the Netherlands to then have to attack. And then all of a sudden that just opens up the counter for the U.S. as well. And it's just going to open up the whole match and it would be a, make it so much fun to watch. I think for me, it's just to see the consistency and the patience that they had against England. Um, I think the discipline on that was, was really good to see. And even though the chances did come, I, I, I think that's when you start using your other... Um, your other pawns that you have, you know, the, uh, you have, um, you know, whether it be Gio, whether it be Aronson, depending on if, if Sergeant Castell or Ferreira, and you use them to be that change of pace kind of and, and keep that pressure on in a sense and, and, and really wear out Netherlands. That's what I like to see. But I also like to see a, a little bit more of just um, of, of the cutback in the, in the, attacking third, meaning that someone takes the ball and then just cuts it back to either the top of the box or to the corner of the box. And then we either, either send the ball in that way or take a shot that way. I just want them to be able to move the defense more than they currently have been. Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything that everyone has said here. And it's just like, I think if we can control possession while also being a little bit more attacking minded and get a couple of those chances and put them away. Look, we've had a ton of chances. Um, we have missed the final ball. Um, I think bossing our midfield and getting a little bit more confidence on the front foot. And like Mark said, to get a goal early, I think would be super helpful because I think if you, I think we would be able to wear down Netherlands um, and, and be able to withstand a game of endurance with our bench, with our youth. Um, and I just don't th think that they have that as much of an attacking threat. Like if, if Frankie de Jong and, and uh, Cody Gekpo start clicking, that's where I would have that, where I would see the most threat. But I, the way that we've been playing defensively, I think, um, it doesn't bother me as much. I think I think it's an evenly matched game. I think we would have the edge on it if you went uh, piece by piece. Um, so, 
Well, let's uh, let's take a break then, and uh, we'll we will say nine a.m. this Saturday. Uh, Black Art will be opening doors at seven thirty, and uh, it's going to be a blast. I'm really excited. And then, uh, what's the game? There's another game after that, right? That morning, and so it's going to be freaking it, good. It's a it's a dumb one. I don't even know what it is. It doesn't matter. Argentina, Australia. Oh, yeah, it's Argentina. <laughs> it's just, I I only want Australia to win because I love their I love the Socceroos nickname so much. Uh, I just want to see like I I want to see Captain Sweatpants take down Messi. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk World Cup fever. Back on the 551 podcast, let's talk about Firefest Qatar edition. Uh the the dumb fuckery in Doha, as they've been calling it. <laughs> um, so uh I, I guess you know there's been so much going on. We're just doing this uh, to, just because we want to record something mid World Cup. Uh, we could talk about Japan beating Spain today, Morocco beating uh winning their group, um Poland playing soccer ostensibly kind of. uh but i i guess i guess i want to ask you guys these questions which is um what what's been your best moment game day anything so far that that you've really enjoyed Corey, I'll, I'll go to you first um the was it was it tuesday's game the the cameroon serbia Dates are meaningless to me right now. It's all just a game. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all a blur. It was a group. It was a group stage game. Um, It was the first game, so it was a four a.m. Why was I up? I was not at the Black Heart for this. Oh, this was the Monday because this is the one I had Mark do the last. uh, last Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, It doesn't matter. Time is meaningless. Um, And what had been a aside from a couple of less than, I don't know, three matches that had more than one goal. Um, It's been a pretty defensive, conservative World Cup, um, politically and tactically. And it's been a lot of 0-0 draws, a lot of one nils, a lot of low-scoring matches. And it just felt like this was the first real exciting game for me that was just open and attacking minded and it could have ended five, four for all I would have, you know, what I could have guessed. And it feels like the floodgates started to open because that's the last game of the group stage. And we're starting to enter that period and people are, you know, teams are realizing they have to start going for it. And so that's where the the tournament really started to open up for me. And it was just delightful to watch. Um, on the 4 a.m., uh, I'll, I'll nominate that Saudi Arabia-Argentina game. That was the first 4 a.m. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a small, dedicated black art crowd. After that, I think people were like, well, now we don't want to miss anything. And I think the next morning was the 0-0, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. but I, that I blame game, G because you didn't show up for that second. And I'll, and I'll say every 4 a.m. that I've been to that Rodrigo has been at, it has been a chaos game. Yeah. So that game... The the Saudi Arabia game, that's the one that G came to, right? Before school? Yeah, she yeah. came right before school. Then after that, yeah. she's like, you guys were like, I think it was you that said, all right, have a good day at school. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that game was just a really great um, introduction to what this World Cup was going to be, which is a whole lot of chaos, 
a whole lot of um, underperforming uh, and lots of grit uh, defeating the underperformers. And, um, and I mean, it was just, it was just wild. It was great to see them succeed. Um, really just, uh, seem like they're used to cutting people up and just walking through them. <laughs> it's, 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 um, <laughs> um, my, Rodrigo, do you want to give us your best day? <laughs> um, um, I, it's hard for me to pick one, but I, I probably have to say, um, Japan versus Germany. I think that first game where they defeated Germany literally uh, was another one that that shocked other folks, and it was it was it was a very big one for me because I, I've been a fan of the Japanese team for a while, not only the women's but the men's, and just the way that they're so technical, and then there's just their passing is beautiful, and like right on, you know, it's like. The different different times to tell you things that as a coach I love seeing, but also the fact that the Japanese coach was able to make the right substitutions to be able to make the difference in those two games was really like one of those things that I was like, wow, you know, this is what it's like to 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 have a team that really plays for each other um, and and all that. So, although I will say he could have just put the good players on in the first half because they were garbage against in that first half against Spain today. And then they somehow survived it. And then we're like, Oh, turns out I'm not left-handed. And then they beat the crap out of Spain. So um, Alex, what's, what's your best? I really had a good time kind of watching the Ghana Portugal match because after Cristiano Ronaldo blatantly dove and got a penalty, despite video review, I had a, like a blinding hot rooting interest in Ghana winning that game. And they fell short, but they, I think, have been one of the most entertaining teams in the tournament. And it was a really exciting match to watch because they, they never gave up. They, you know, they went down three to one and then they kept pushing and scored a second and very nearly scored a third. So uh, that, was a, that was a great game to me. I, I, I think that in just in general, Frankly, the African sides as a group have been probably the brightest cohort in the World Cup. Senegal has played really fun games. Ghana has played really fun games. Morocco has been a blast to watch. Um, Tunisia been, maybe less, but but Tunisia yeah, did get t- that Tunisia win over the, uh, you know over uh, France. So yeah, Tun- yeah, Tunisia sort sort of been the exception, but but. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun watching uh, them, and Ghana to me has been the pick of the bunch. I mean, when when the when the Ghanaian player um, literally uh, trolled Ronaldo scoring that second goal by using the same celebration while he was at the bench, that was that oh, was I missed that. Beautiful, awesome. <laughs> it was beautiful. I was like laughing so hard. G was laughing so hard. We were watching. It. I was like that. That takes a new. Yeah. New level of, of shithousery to to the World Cups, but that was great. Mark. Even though they tormented us for years, I have a really soft spot for the Black Stars, and um, as they've long, been a ton of fun. I as, hope they advance tomorrow. As sure. long as we don't have to face them until the final, then I'm good. Um, there we go. Mark, you don't have a day or a moment. You've got like a, a full minute and a half. <laughs> I do. It's it was like two like brief moments in time that like just like epitomize like the chaos that is this World Cup. And uh, it was uh, Thursday with uh, when during the Japan uh, Spain match and the 
Costa Rica Germany match, where for a beautiful 85 seconds, the world's all the planets aligned and everything was perfect. And suddenly Japan and Costa Rica were going to go through in the group and Spain and Germany were out. And that was amazing. And then even better was right up until the very, like to the 95th minute in the Mexico, Saudi Arabia match where Mexico and Poland were completely tied on everything. And Mexico was going to get eliminated from the world cup because uh, of the FIFA fair play rule, because they got too many yellow cards. And the reason for this is because Messi missed a PK. Like, there was just so much chaos and just craziness, and I I couldn't take it. Like, it was just amazing. I love the permutations where it's like, Mexico can advance if Mexico scores or Poland gets a direct red card. Uh-huh. And like... <laughs> But like, but like an indirect red card, a second yellow card. That I think that there was a, that was only going to result in a tie and that tiebreaker. Right. And then we go to a coin toss. The, the different cards have different weights, right? Right. So, right. so exactly. So <laughs> and if it was a and if it was a, a yellow card and then a direct red card, that's that's even worse. So I, I just so good. trying to do this math in my head. I mean, I, I was. I agree. That was really fun. I have to say one complaint. The Fox soccer commentating crews have been completely wrong in multiple games about the tiebreaker scenario, and it has been driving me insane. Oh, they've said like they've said like a wrong thing on the broadcast, and then had to correct it later. Um, so anyway. I I don't want to spend too much time talking about the overall World Cup, but I do think that there's been a general lack of quality, and I think we knew that, right? We knew that it's going to be hotter. Um, there's no real buildup here. You also have uh, really tired players, and so, and you also have most of the big teams, most of the big nations, struggling coming into this. Right, uh, pretty much only Brazil had been on like a good streak. Uh, maybe Argentina as well, but like, uh, you know, England had been struggling, Germany had been struggling, France had been struggling, and I think what we've seen is is a lot of games that are kind of subpar. But what we've that has allowed us to see is these teams just like basically you know Leroy Jen- Jenkinsing their way in uh, out of the group stage like Australia have done which is you know this is Australia's worst team in ages and yet they've won twice which is as many wins as they've ever had uh, in their World Cup history, and I keep expecting to see Tim Cahill somehow like take the yeah, field. <laughs> yeah, he's on the sideline as a hologram. So, um, and and I guess I'm curious if people have any thoughts about the the takeaways so far um, because it hasn't been gorgeous to watch at times. It's been the the best things that we talk about are the chaotic things and not really things like. Brazil being good at soccer, right? Brazil, I think, are the only team that are just like, yeah, we're really good at this. We're going to win games and do fine. And, you know, there's no, everything else is about these these big upsets. I think my takeaway from that has been that this World Cup has made me less angsty, I guess, or just sort of, I, I, I've come to accept like the, the larger World Cup format that we're getting next time, the 40. 4018 pool. It's pretty clear that there are many more teams out there 
you know, in, in every confederation that are credible and organized and have talented players. Uh, are there, can, though? I think so, yeah. I think, I think so. I, I, I wish that there would be a greater share of... AFCON teams that were coming into the new format. I mean, yeah. Egypt was out oh, of this right. one, you and, know? And also, right. how many more yeah. South American teams are coming? Um, I think I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Two more? Not right. many. Cause cause I, I mean, they're just, they're just not many South American countries. Yeah, I know, yeah. but that's just one where I would love to see more just because they're so good. Yeah. Well, I can't what, wait what to I'll see Bolivia in a World Cup. I, I have mixed feelings about the overall the format because the four team groups have been just dynamite. I mean, we've seen great example of why it's a good format to have these four team groups and it's been very competitive um you know but but basically aside from i don't know really just one team i would say there's only one team in the tournament which has not looked up for 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 the tournament and so and that's the host (laughs) so you know i i think that i think that there. I think that there are definitely maybe not there maybe there aren't forty eight teams maybe we'll have some some you know sort of bozo squads come into the next World Cup but I think there are at least forty. Um, well, one of the one of the things it's funny you mentioned that because I'm I'm actually was just looking up um, the specifics about the three team the three team groups uh, for the twenty twenty six World Cup and there's already. Oh, yeah. um, talk that they are going that they're thinking about ditching 16 groups of three and moving to 12 groups of four hmm, really um for the next round uh, to eliminate all of the dead rubber matches that might they listen to a that, lot of but, uh, a lot of this podcast so yeah exactly well, so yeah. They're, they're there was also listening. theories being thrown out by the committees as how they would do the three teams and how like they would like the fact that they would you know have people shoot penalty kick they, they were going to borrow like some of the mls pros kind of ideas but like yeah. if you tie oh. you goalie wars oh my god know, that's what i would love goalie wars but at a world cup level the, but i mean that's just the thing it's crazy how what they're thinking about doing and these are just the ideas i don't know how they would do it with three teams it's just you'd have to really have to compensate teams for um goal differentials or a fair play even more than you currently are now yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we don't know until we know, and they're not going to figure that out for another couple of months at least. But I, I think the big thing for me for this World Cup is all of the the dark clouds that are hanging over this tournament, politically, socioeconomically, all of the stuff that's happening. Like, yeah, fine. Um, I think just from a from a sporting perspective. I think this is, you know, I've talked about this a lot at the Blackheart with people is, has been, it's just still the hangover of all the fixture congestion from COVID from 2020. You know, you had the Euros postponed a year. You had Copa America postponed a year. You've had all of these things. And so what normally would have been a summer off without a major tournament, you're now looking at all of this fixture congestion and then condensed domestic seasons um, in addition to all the, the domestic trophies across all of the major leagues, maybe except for the Bundesliga, who is who still insists on on having the you know six weeks off over the holidays, but it's just that on top of parking a World Cup in the middle of a domestic season now too. It's just it's just it's just scope creep and players are exhausted and teams don't have enough time to play together. And you'd have additional international windows you know, all of the various nations leagues. 
So it's just like it's player welfare at this point that I think is is the main cause of it being such a slow start where it's like everyone's going to play conservatively because they won, they haven't had enough of a World Cup preseason and they're just exhausted and yeah. they're ramping up fitness. And I, I wonder if that's going to make the second half of this tournament, the knockout stage, um, more exciting in terms of, um, you know, people, teams will finally go at it a bit more that we've seen in the last couple of games. You know, it took a while for the World Cup to get going or if it'll become more cagey because, you know, people know that their fitness is suspect and they are kind of worried about these results. And so they're just going to play defensively. So we'll see. Um, We were going to talk about the best surprise team of the tournament, but mine, I wanted to talk about Australia and Rodrigo, you were going to talk about Japan, but I think we've already both done that. So um, congratulations on winning your awards from Rodrigo and me. So let me ask this instead, which is your most enjoyable failure. Um, And let's start here with this, Mark, um, Mexico. Just... I know oh. that this means that we're not invited over to Rodrigo's house after oh. this, but um, yeah, you guys are banned. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, Mexico. Let's just say first of all that they were they were terrible in this tournament, mm-hmm. um, and that they've been terrible all year. That that makes me happy. So I apologize yeah. to everyone. I love all my friends, but I also want to see the Mexican national team fail. So no, I mean, and just to like give some scope to how bad they are, like. This is the first time that Mexico has not advanced to the knockout round since 1978. And so like my literally my entire life, Mexico has always made it to the knockout round. It is the first time that in my lifetime they haven't. Well, in that time uh, when they didn't, it was um it was a smaller tournament. So this is the first time they haven't been in the top 16 of a World Cup. Right. Yeah, I know. And then also on top of that is like, at least they got rid of that curse because like since the 1994 World Cup, they've bowed out in the round of 16, losing every year, every time. And so at least they don't have to have that kind of, humi- you know, be, you know. Just, nice work, you know, the, Tata. Yeah. You really nailed it. It's great. Like, yes. I mean, and also like, but I mean, and like, and Alex, you actually listened to it. Like, I just saw like the tweets from, from Matt Doyle, but like Extra Time had a very good segment where they went into like the specifics for like, uh, from a, just from an infrastructure standpoint of like the Mexican national team of like why they are failing now and just from like a lack of you know investment in their youth academies and all that and they, and going they just through. don't have enough gam and tam in their system yeah <laughs> but yeah no but it's okay well, it was, like, yeah. Yeah, go ahead Alex they're talking about oh it's just super interesting I mean just you know that they're they're sort of failing I mean one of the things that they mentioned as an as a sort of a symptom was that the coach the new coach of Chivas Guadalajara is Velko Potovic <laughs> who crashed out at the Chicago Fire. So it's like this is the team that's known for playing only Mexican players. You would think that they would be at the forefront of developing Mexican coaching. And instead that they've they've gone with like a US retread from you know from Europe. You know, one of the other things they mentioned was that if you look at the age ranges of the youth Mexican players, it's predominantly players born in the first three months of the year, which is obviously a telltale sign that they're being selected for physical size as youth and not skill. You know, these are sort of basic things, and it's pretty shocking to see 
Mexico, which has for so long been this sort of metronome of stability and, you know, quality play, struggle. I mean, you know, it's crazy to see also these, you look watching their team and you're like, where is Carlos Vela? Where is Chicharito? They could use these guys and they're old, but they have no natural replacements and they have no super young players who are coming up if they don't, you know, if, if their best one or two young talents don't hit like like Diego Linus, you know, if they don't hit, then there's no, there's no backup plan to that. The, the talent pool is not deep for them anymore. And they're not, they've got too many players on their team who are still in League MX who haven't made it up to higher leagues. Um, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, you could see it coming because, you know, we've all seen the U.S. play against Mexico many times, but it's pretty shocking. The yeah. um, uh, Qatar have been a fantastic fail. Sorry, Rodrigo, did you want to say something about Mexico? I, no, was, I was just going to say, like, watching Andres Guardado go in for less than 45 minutes to be subbed out was just a telltale sign that, like, there's a lot of issues. And the rumors flying around as to why Chicharito didn't, didn't want to join, um, it's, it's totally... Um, what was that one guy you were infatuated with uh, that played on the Mexican-American team? Uh, Mark Nicholas Benedetti, Benedetti. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was like the Benedetti oh yeah good Benedetti drama type like that that's Love why it. that's why Chicho didn't didn't get along with uh, with with Tata there, there's the rumors that at least the people that go circling it's like it's like wow this is really deep it's great Chicharito just loves a good sex party who doesn't uh-huh. yeah um, I mean, at least Mexico has a new though? Ochoa to come in and play goalkeeper, so they'll be fine. So we've all enjoyed Qatar's uh, failure. Um, you know, you, Daddy bought the uh, stadium for you and uh, and bribed everyone off, and everyone came, and then they kicked your butt. So that that's I've been good. I've enjoyed looking at the results. I don't think I've enjoyed watching them play. That's true. I, I fair enough. <laughs> Corey just wrote, Daddy killed so many migrants for you in the chat. I'm sorry. That's good. Um, You know, we've had other big failures of Belgium. Uh, Denmark, I did not enjoy. Um, uh, Calvo, uh, our biggest 4 a.m. crowd was like 30, 35 people to watch the Japan Calvo game. Uh, I think Costa Rica played as well, but literally everyone's there. And when Calvo got that foul that almost was a red turns out it was an ingenious foul because he didn't give up a PK. He didn't get the red. He only got a yellow. Uh, and he, he definitely stopped a goal. Um, it, it kills me to say that, but, um, it, when everyone thought it was going to be red, the bar, it was like four forty-five in the morning. The bar almost exploded. It was absolute not bedlam. Um, so that's been good. But uh, Rodrigo, you want to say some uh, a, a nice eulogy for Germany? Uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's come to to fruition that you know this is twice now, and that Germany does not make it out of the group stages. And I mean, Hansi was was supposed to be the one that um, that that puts it all together, and it's just. It's, it's just it just feels like the Germany team was playing so flat and so unmotivated at times. Like when they put Thomas Bieler as forward, I was like, "What's going on here? You, you don't have better options, or you don't just have the chemistry." And I think there's a lot of that that we talked about. Not only burnout, but also just the lack of chemistry. 
that that some of these teams have 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 not been able to build and and I'm, I'm not surprised and um that we have some big teams go out but i really thought germany was going to be able to do something and here we are you know history repeating itself i know and germany too like like they looked they actually looked pretty good like you saw what they were capable of when they played spain that they looked pretty good against spain but i mean the fact that i think was it germany had like um, their expected goals for the three matches for the tournament was like 10 and they had six and their expected goal differential was like 6.4 and they had one. Like their touches alone. in the penalty area, they had 102 touches in the penalty area. The next closest was France at 86 and then third is yeah. Argentina at 67. That's how much they, and they had the most, um, Shots, I believe, 64 um, compared to the next is 48 for France. Like they just they had so much chance. They had so much production into the final third and just couldn't do it. And then defensively yeah. couldn't hold it together, which is very un-German. What? Yeah. yeah. It's the defensive thing that really is shocking because we know that goal, you know, when, when, when you are even a dominant attacking team will have some quite a bit of variance and, in terms of getting goals to go through. But the fact that they weren't able to be tight enough, I mean, when you are defensively solid, that gives you a license to have some spluttering in the attack. And they weren't defensively solid, and that's kind of it for them. I mean, they gave two goals to Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I've enjoyed the, uh, Germany's uh, big downfall but um you know it's just crazy to think we've had two straight world cups without italy and we now had had two straight world cups without germany making out of the group stages yep so um the standout players uh we've talked about tyler adams a little bit um i mean he's just been so killer and to me um i almost think that it makes me go back and think about how he's been simultaneously fantastic in leads and, and struggled and maybe Jesse Marsh's um, uh, cocaine and vibes uh, soccer maybe is a little, isn't showing off his talent as much. And I would maybe Tyler should be at a Tottenham Hotspur, you know, really just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah. Cocaine bear. Thank you. L- L- Liverpool that. needs some uh, midfield upgrades. Yeah, well, who? I, sorry. Um, we've lost Corey for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> No, it's fine. The uh, the 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 next Saudi blood oil comp, uh, team. Yeah, exactly. So, I'll, oh, he's going to Newcastle. I'll also say, no, no, no. We're, we were the first. <laughs> no longer the next one. So, oh, yeah. oh sorry, next, sorry, sorry. The other nominee yeah. I'll put out there is Wojciech Szczesny, who um, Poland have been dire. Um, I, I was going to have a category where we uh, nominate a team to take out and then bring back someone just for the for the lulls, and we should take out Poland and bring back. Um, South Korea, maybe. I don't know. Um, but Chesney has been fantastic. Saved two penalties. He's also just been on top of it. Uh, he's the only reason Poland are further uh, or getting out of the group. Uh, it's disgusting to have a player like Robert Lewandowski and waste him on just n- complete zero football. But and any other nominees? Cody Gakpo, three goals, three games. 
Tell me about him. Tied for the tied for the golden boot. You said you'd give us a little little uh, tidbits about him. He's like a, a tall dude, right? He's one of these tall old duchies. He's not old. Uh, he's he's one of those guys who like you're like okay, this guy is not. He's not returning back to PSV at the end of this tournament. He's like, you know, send forward your bags to somewhere in England because, um, yeah, he, he's he's a you know a winger. He's very good goal scoring record in uh, the Eredivisie, but you know a lot of people have very good goal scoring records in the Eredivisie. It's a question of whether you can really show up. And you know, under the lights, and the World Cup is obviously the biggest stage. And I think that what's been impressive about him is that he's really manufactured goals from nothing. I mean, I talked at the beginning of the pod about how the Dutch are not offensively gifted this year, but they've needed someone like Ekpo to show up and make it happen himself. And it hasn't been Memphis; it's been him. Um, and he has, has really stood out for the Dutch uh, by far and is, you know, tied with a handful of other people for the, for the Golden Boot lead this year. Yeah, and then, and then we have uh, Mohamed Kudus from Ajax. Um, he's 22, attacking midfielder, playing for Ghana, um, had a brace against South Korea. Um, he's just been, he's again, like, there, I'm, I'm seeing this trend of like really young, talented, kind of up and a little bit more mature professionally for their age in the midfield. There's a lot of talk about really, really strong up and coming midfielders, which is not something that we've seen in a while. Um, and he's, he's currently playing for Ajax and right now it sounds like Arsenal and Liverpool are already in the game for him. Um, sounding like he'll probably make a move. If, if he doesn't make a move in January, he's gone. Um, looking like a lot of Premier League teams, but other teams like Dortmund are also looking at him. And he's just been, he's very comfortable on the ball. He's hes great as an, as an attacking mid, but he can cut in from the left really well. So it's its just really, really fun to see a lot of really strong attacking forces coming from the midfield, uh, especially young midfields in some of these teams. And let, let's then take a break. We will come back and we've got a few questions. Let's finish this off on the 55.1 podcast special edition. We'll come back maybe like four years from now with another podcast or something. But we've got some, uh, we've got some good questions here, mostly about the World Cup. P.A. Loon says, best World Cup facial hair. Um, I'll let you guys think on this one. I'm going to nominate Jackson Irvine. He's got the pony or sometimes man bun. And then he's got this, this great, fantastic 70s skater mustache. Um, slash he's probably dating your older sister. Um, look going to him. Jackson Irvine also plays for St. Pauli. So I absolutely love him. Um, but yeah, right now he's, he's got my favorite. Facial hair. Any other good nominees? Allison Becker, goalkeeper for Brazil. He uh, came in with a nice, like, scruff. He's gone full-on porn stash for the tournament. It's amazing. I kind of wish, like, that we had, like, Tim Ream doing that. Like, old man, just with this big old 
Sam Elliott going on or something like or that. Or just like, or just like, like 1992 Metallica, James Hetfield, like mutton chops. Yeah. Just, and, and especially with like the lack of like, uh, like, you know, scan like Denmark is in there, but like, they don't really have anybody. Like there's no good, like Swedish, like Norway, like just, or Norwegian, like beard going like such giant beard and it really could use it. Yeah. Um, KT says, uh, Obviously, the World Cup hottie list needs to be discussed. This is, I, I tried to, if I had more time in my life, I would put together a, an actual group stage and then knockout bracket of the World Cup hotties. I brought this up because Iran's uh, player Ramin is a World Cup hottie. He's, you know, his team ended up crashing out, but that dude's going to the semifinals at least. Um, I don't know if you guys have uh, any other nominees, but. Other ones that came up were um, Olivier Giroud, obviously, handsome man. Um, Cho Gasong, who's uh, on the South Korean team. Um, Brian Bueno? Buemo? Sorry. Boy, I should have looked that one up. I, I did look up how to say uh, Gasong's name. but um, And then Allison Becker. Uh, any Any nominees from you guys? I think my favorite vibes overall on the touch line has been Aliou Cisse. Senegal. Oh. <laughs> He's just fantastic. Yeah, there are some there are some hottie coaches, but they're they're just a different category. It's like yeah, it's like track instead of like formal tracksuit vibe is uh, who's the uh, who's the um the Lannister that's coaching Saudi Arabia? Oh her Oh Renard. yeah, Renard. that guy. There was a great article uh, that the Athletic did about Hervé Renard how when he was a uh, a player, he was not very good, and he was playing for these lower division teams. And he started this like cleaning company with this other guy, and he would like clean overnights and then like nap and then go train, etc. Um, and so this last summer or the summer before, he called up his old business partner and was like, "Hey, can I work a shift?" Like. He just wanted to work a shift, just wanted, he was like, yeah, you know, football is a really like isolated world. Nothing about it is reality. And I just wanted to work, work with my hands. And so he did a 2.30 AM cleaning shift for eight hours. So I thought that was a great little anecdote. Um, yeah, there's some, there are some really classy hotties on, on the sidelines. I, I mean, I would say Greg Berhalter is a, is a, you know, he, he's a round of 16 hottie. But he's not going further than that. But he'll make it to the knockout rounds. But he's not quite a knockout. Ooh. Oh, there we go. Thank <laughs> you for that. Um, Eric Voorhees says, "I saw a rumor that the Sounders might be trying to sign a player at the World Cup. What if it's Calvo? <laughs> I, I mean, boy, we can only hope. I mean, they did just get rid of their like yep. GM who like steered the ship perfectly for them. So maybe it could happen." That sounds mm. perfectly. Yeah. God, we need Calvo back in Major League Soccer. Mm. The amount of joy that man brings, the pain in his life brings me, uh, is great. And it's also he needs nice to go to Montreal. Oh God. <laughs> no, Toronto would be even better. I mean, guys, we can't get anything better than Matias Almeida, Sa San Jose, <laughs> true. and, and we Calvo. were spoiled. We had, we didn't know how good we had it until it was gone. Mason oh. Toy would retire if he went to Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> No, and then uh, Bobby Shuttleworth would end up getting traded there, and he'd be like, oh, "Who did? Where? Is, why did I come out of retirement for this? Where is the, where is the witch that I, that I somehow accidentally 
harmed. What albatross did Bobby Shuttleworth kill to get Calvo? <laughs> um, and the, the, here's a question then from KG: Who's a player at the World Cup that you'd like to see Minnesota United uh, sign that we could afford? Who would be realistic? Any of these? Uh, I mean, it's tough to say because it's the World Cup. It's like, are we really like we could get a rise in Bowley? That's about it. Like we're not, we're not. You know, he's. I think he's still starting for Algeria. Yeah, or or Algeria at the World Cup. No. Wonder why. Wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about Romario Ibarra? Oh, yes. Man. God, what could have been? What, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any any other serious nominations? So, I mean, I guess I look at the World Cup and I just think like the people who you're excited about. Um, you know, they're never coming. They're already on a stratospheric rise, and the people who like we could get. There's a reason they're at where they're at, you know. I but hey, man, if we get Jackson Irvine, I would blow my um, brain I, out. I think I have another nominee, um, Byron Castillo. For who we could get or hottie? No, how we could get? Yes. Okay. The guy that literally got Ecuador to the World Cup and then got banned from the World Cup. Perfect. Yep. Real, the, lots. All of our Chilean fans would love him. <laughs> Honestly, I think you would. I think you would look at. I mean, whether I think there are a couple of teams that are on their way out. Either you're looking at aging Belgium, Germany, for example. I think there are a couple of players on there that like. I I would take some veterans with three years left. Um, and we could get Shakiri from Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> we, we could like, get a number of up and coming guys from Qatar. <clears throat> There was a, Ch- a Chacon who went out there, and then I could uh, bring back Chacon and Muerte. So, just oh, we could it. get the Chacon from uh, Costa Rica. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so oh, right. I forget if he's good, but I don't think he is. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's cursed. I maybe I'm just hoping someday to to reuse the Chacon and Muerte posters. Um, all right. Any any final thoughts, or, or we'll just look at a little preview here of, of what's coming up. Um, I don't know when you're going to listen to this, reader. Actually, none of you are listening to this. Um, but, reader? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I will say, coming up, obviously we've got the Saturday game uh, this week. We have then France-Poland on Sunday morning, England-Senegal. Um, all the games we are open for at Blackheart, and I would love to see your smiling faces um, drop out of work, man. Now that it's knockout stages, like just phone it in. Christmas is almost here. And all of us are going to be there on Saturday, right? Yep. Uh, no. Oh. If you get to sit next to G while watching a game, it's literally like heaven on earth just watching her yell at tv and just yell at the tactics it's just mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun to watch and i have to stay quiet because she always yells at me about that but butting it into her conversations are just like you know her conversations like, with the tv i mean i what up yeah like she yells at the tv but one of the things that i want to say is that i really enjoyed watching youth really connect to the chaos that is the world cup like, uh, like we've, I've, like you know, I've, you, you, you all seen the text where like G was actually watching the game while taking a test at high school, uh, you know, 
you know, El Santi telling me that they're watching the games in 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 middle school, right? And like, or our friend Andre, who, uh, aspect, who who's part Japanese, his kid uh, being in the Spanish immersion, and they had they played the uh, the Spain Japan game, and his son was the only one cheering for Japan's. <laughs> yeah, and so like the, the, those type of things, I think those 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 memories for the for the for the youth are the ones that are going to really draw them into like the craziness yeah. of the sport the reason that we all love the sport you know and i think that's i'm really happy about that alex final thoughts yeah everyone's got to look up how charles barkley pronounces mbappe well, i'll just mbappe mbappe that's right yeah um well thank you all Thanks for getting back together. Um, thanks for listening. And I do hope I can see some of you folks at the Blackheart. Um, the U.S. games are, are, are busy and, and crazy, but these other games, I'm around. And uh, it's fun seeing and watching games with people. And uh, you're beautiful. You're sexy. And everyone loves you.